Good morning, good people, and happy Saturday. My name is Nikki J, and I am your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. Can I just can I just tell y'all that I love y'all? Like, I, I want to be very aggressive about my feelings today. Um, I, I love y'all because in the last week, the podcast has gotten over a thousand downloads. In the last week, to put this in perspective. Last week, we only had 2,000 downloads, and now we have over 3,200. So please keep sharing the podcast with your family, friends, coworkers, enemies, <laughs> your neighbors. <laughs> share, share, share. And if you're new here, the Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience. And can I just say, Belgium, Bermuda, Brazil, Estonia, India, Pakistan, Mexico, and Zambia have all entered the chat. The Black Girl Budget Podcast is growing thanks to all of you and your support and your engagement. So please continue to like and comment on episodes so I know what you all are interested in hearing and how I can best serve the community. And make sure that you follow the Black Girl Budget Podcast so you know exactly when episodes drop and you're the first to get all the information. Now, in episode one of this season, I gave you all five necessities for financial success in 2022. And one of those things was to quantify your goals. So today we are going to dig a little deeper into the importance of quantifying your goals and discuss four ways to do it. I know that this is going to make some heads explode because oftentimes we do not approach our goals and finances like this. So let's just get into it. Now, I know you're thinking, Nikki, what does it even mean to quantify my goals? And I'm glad you asked. Quantifying your goals is a way to track the progress of your goal by using a unit of measurement. I'm going to say it one more time. Quantifying your goals is a way to track the progress of your goals by using a unit of measurement. I'm going to give you four units of measurements you can use to track your goals. After you hear all four, I want you to pick the unit you think will work best for you or is currently working best for you. And trust me, not all of these units of measurements will work for everyone. For example, number four would have me all messed up. It it would not work for me. So, So pick the one that you think will work best for you and then comment and let me know which one you decided. And let's see how it goes throughout the year. Keep me posted and I want to know which one of these works best for you. So let's start with number one. The first unit of measurement is probably the easiest and the first one we think of because it's something that all of us attach to our goals. And that's really a deadline. Most of us tend to add a deadline to our goals to stay on track. So, for example, we want to lose 10 pounds by Valentine's Day. We want to buy a house by the summer. We want to pay off our student loans by the year 3065. And deadlines can be really helpful, especially for those of us who tend to procrastinate. So here's our example. Let's say we want to have $10,000 in our emergency fund by the end of 2022. And currently we have $0 in our emergency fund. We have 12 months in the year, right? That's going to be our time frame, our unit of measurement. We're going to divide that $10,000 by 12 months. That equals $833.33 per month. Now I'm just going to make it easy and say $833. So every month for the next 12 months in your black girl budget notebook, you are going to write out your budget and you will have a line item for $833 that is going to your emergency fund 
which is in your high yield savings account. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So at the end of the year, you will have $10,000 in your emergency fund. And you use this unit of measurement to assess your goal throughout the year. So every month, you'll check the progress of your goal using time. In January, we put $833 in our emergency fund. Great. We're still on track to have $10,000. In February, we put $833 in our emergency fund. Great. We're still on track to have $10,000 by the end of the year. In March, we put $833 in our emergency fund. We're still on track to have $10,000 by the end of the year. Now, let's say we get to April. And for one reason or another, we can only afford to put $700 in our emergency fund. When we check the progress of our goal in May, we will see that instead of putting $833 in every month for the rest of the year, we now need to increase it to about $850 because our goal is measured by time. We still want the $10,000 by the end of the year, so we have to make up for the month where we don't put $833 in our emergency fund. This unit of measurement is often used when we don't really have limitations on the amount of money that we are saving, investing, or paying off debt. Because let's be honest, $833 is a lot. (laughs) But but we're going to circle back to that. Um, It's all about the goal meeting the deadline. The downside of this unit of measurement is that sometimes we have to pivot from our original plan and that may make our monthly contributions increase as you saw in the example. Now, the benefit of this is you know exactly when you're going to meet your goal. It's at the end of the year and you know exactly how much you're going to have and exactly how much you need to give every month. So there are pros and cons to this unit of measurement, but this one is probably the first that we'll go to because we tend to associate deadlines with our goals. While I love this unit of measurement, it's not always realistic, though. And that brings us to the second unit of measurement, and that is affordability. With this one, we determine what we can afford every month, and we create our goal based on that affordability. So using our same emergency fund example, let's say we can only afford to put $250 a month in our emergency fund every month. In our Black Girl Budget Notebooks, we will have a line item that says $250 goes to our emergency fund, which is in our high yield savings account, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) If we multiply that $250 by 12 months, at the end of the year, we will have $3,000 in our emergency fund. Now, is that $10,000? No. Is it better than zero? Absolutely. So this is my favorite unit of measurement because it is not overwhelming since it's literally based on what we can afford. With affordability, if you can only afford to contribute $100 during April and May, you aren't trying to make up for it in the following months. You're always focused on what you can afford. So instead, you'll just adjust. If you know saving $250 a month will get me $3,000, but some months I can't do 250, I can only afford 100, then you adjust the goal based on what you can afford. At the end of the year, you'll still have more than zero. And it might not be that 10,000, but at least you aren't stressed trying to hit a goal in a specific amount of time, like our first measurement, but you aren't necessarily just kind of winging it either. 
you're still very strategic in how you are saving money in your emergency fund. So let's go to our third measurement. This one is by paycheck. Some of us get paid monthly, bi-weekly, weekly, or randomly. And it's just easier for us to base our goals on the paychecks themselves. Now, this one is also a combination of time and affordability. It just depends on how you approach it. So again, using our same emergency fund example, we might say we want $10,000 at the end of 2022. And we expect to receive 26 biweekly paychecks throughout the year. So we'll divide that 10,000 by 26 paychecks and every paycheck, we will have a line item for $385 to go into our emergency fund. Now, you might use affordability and say, of the 26 paychecks that I'm going to get this year, I can only afford $150 to go in my emergency fund per paycheck. You multiply that $150 by the 26 paychecks, and at the end of the year, you will have $3,900 in your emergency fund. Again, is it $10,000? No. Is it better than zero? Absolutely. This is a really good measurement for those of us who do not receive consistent income. And for the times that we don't receive income, we aren't subconsciously stressing ourselves out to meet a goal when we have no money. This one is also really good for college students if you are maybe um, getting financial aid or scholarships where your money is kind of a lump sum at the beginning of the semester or maybe once or twice throughout the quarter. And then I know y'all are all waiting for unit of measurement number four because <laughs> it's, it's just not for me. It's not for me. And I think it's because I'm an Aquarius, but I digress. I'm just going to say it's not for me. <laughs> This unit of measurement is based solely on your feelings. And I'm going to give you all the example with the emergency fund. The question you're going to ask yourself using your feelings is, do you feel you have saved enough money in your emergency fund? For example, I have a friend who has like over $50,000 in her emergency fund. And when I tell you that $50,000 could easily carry her through an entire year without working. So the question is really, well, girl, why have you not stopped putting money in your emergency fund when you hit 20000 or 30000 And that's because maybe she felt like she needed more money in her emergency fund. Now, this unit of measurement has no time limit. So we could be perpetually saving money in our emergency fund if we felt that was the way to go. The downside of this measurement is that because it is based on our feelings, <laughs> sometimes feelings and finances should not mix and mingle. Some of us have traumatic experiences when it comes to making financial decisions, maybe having a low credit score, getting a vehicle repossessed, having your lights turned off, having a card declined in front of friends at the Chili's restaurant on campus because you refused to check your bank account for a week and didn't realize you'd already spent the money you thought you had. That was a very specific example, unrelated to any experiences I've ever had while in college. <laughs> so now we've attached feelings to our finances through experiences, right? And where it may be time for us to pivot and start investing more money than we save, our feelings might tell us that investing money is too risky. And we need to keep our eyes on our money so we never experience that traumatic event again.
Now, I have no doubt that this measurement is beneficial for people who can feel when something is working. You know, that friend who just felt like it was time to get a dog or they just felt like it was time to cut off their hair. Maybe they just felt like it was time to move to Alaska or something. We all have that friend and I know you're picturing the person that I'm talking about. (laughs) So while this measurement is probably not for the majority of us, it can work for some of us um, who thrive off of our feelings. I am not that girl, okay? Material girl, but not that girl, okay? So, So pick the unit of measurement that you think is going to work best for you or that is currently working best for you. And so just a recap, the four units of measurement to quantify your goals is time, affordability, paychecks, and feelings. If you can think of another way to quantify our goals, drop a comment on this episode and let's discuss it because I would love to have more options for you all. And this conversation is very important for the beginning of the year because this is how we are going to set the stage for the rest of the year. Whatever unit of measurement you use, we're going to use it throughout the year. Now, if you get to a point where you feel like, ah, I started trying to use my feelings, <laughs> but I recognize as a Pisces, I probably shouldn't do that. So, and I'm, I'm making fun of Ash because she's a Pisces. Um, you know, you probably shouldn't do that. So pick another unit of measurement if you get to February or March and you realize, eh, going based off of the paychecks is not really working for me. Maybe I should use affordability. That one is personally my favorite. I thrive using affordability. Um, it's what has gotten me this far. So, Play around with those units, but settle on one eventually in the year and use it for the rest of the year to really um, to really elevate your finances and get you into a position where you roll into 2023 even better than you rolled into 2022. Now, if you are subscribed to the monthly newsletter, this episode is definitely going to help you with tip number two for the month of January. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, I don't know why you're not. So you should subscribe. (laughs) Remember, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you will get a monthly newsletter with five budgeting tips, as well as access to resources either at a discount or early. Um, And some of you have already gotten those resources and some of you have already used your discounts. So go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter. You can do that at the website as well. And just a quick reminder, Black Girl Budget Notebooks are still on sale with free shipping. Um, all orders have gone out thus far. You guys are definitely buying them up. So all orders are being shipped out. Um, someone DM'd me the other day and said they felt luxurious when they opened their notebook. And if you're following me on Instagram and TikTok, I have been making uh, content showing you what to put in your Black Girl Budget Notebook, what to write in it, how to update your budget. So grab your notebook, follow along to make sure that you are on track for the rest of the year. Because in 2022, we are in the bag. We are the bag. So go grab your Black Girl Budget Notebook from the website at blackgirlbudget.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. And as always, happy budgeting. <laughs>